Welcome in. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. It is Wednesday, March 15th. Magic coming off a loss last night in San Antonio. 13 games remaining in the season. And right now, 28 and 41. You're sitting four games out of the 10th seed uh, in the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference. And three more games on this West Coast road trip. We'll see Phoenix. That'll be on uh, March 16th, Thursday night. At 10 p.m., my guest today, going to talk a little Magic Basketball, going to talk a little college basketball, going to talk a little mock draft. Uh, Brian Kalbrowski joins me. He is the National NBA staff writer at For the Win. He's a super-duper friend of the pod. And Brian, when I have Dan Savage and Josh Cohen, who are my buddies from OrlandoMagic.com on the pod, I call it the no-prep pod because you just kind of fire it up and rip it. And, dude, it took me like five minutes to prepare for this. I wrote down a few things that I wanted to speak with you about. But basically, I just went through your mock draft last week, and, and I could probably do about 45 minutes with you. It's good to catch up with you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, for me, it's all way more better when it's uh, free-flowing. So uh, it's definitely more comfortable for me that way. And uh, I would, I definitely look forward to chatting about this draft class because it's it's a fun one, and the Magic are in a really interesting situation, especially considering they're going to get uh, presumably multiple bites of the apple there in the lottery. and um that's uh that's an exciting little fact right there too so to look forward to for, for magic fans because uh the fact that you're probably not going to get just one but maybe two of these guys or trade up for the one that you want uh maybe consolidate some of the you know excess pieces in the backcourt and you know solidify on one guy there's, there's a lot of things orlando can do right now and uh that's honestly probably one of the most interesting teams in this draft Let's start there. Let's frame it that way then, um, and we will get into the prospects specifically. I want to ask you about college basketball, sort of the state of it in general as well. Um, but from from what you've seen, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there. I, I just want shooters, dude. Like, I don't care how we get them. We need some shooters. We need to surround Paolo and Franz with some shooters. Um, I also think there's probably an argument to be made for either packaging the picks for one, uh, moving up, like you said, or maybe even packaging them for a veteran and making a big move and just bringing some, um, bringing some veteran experience in. And who knows what the trade market will look like this summer, the free agency market as well. Um, how would you go about it? What would you say would be, you know, pie in the sky for the Magic coming out of this upcoming offseason, which assumedly will will arm you with two lottery picks? Well, I think if we're going pie in the sky, the best case scenario would be to win the lottery. But I think that goes for for everybody. Fair. Um, <laughs> but but you know we saw this with New Orleans and Zion Williamson. It's that's about the similar odds that Orlando was at, right? Like it isn't too far off um, in terms of where they're at in the stand-ins as to where New Orleans was or where Memphis was. So um, you know, crazier things have happened in the lottery. So if we're thinking pie in the sky, you're looking for shooters. I mean. You've got the tallest shooter on the planet uh, with Victor Wembanyama, um, you know, out there in the draft. Granted, probably not the best use of our time to talk about Victor. There's a million resources to do that. Great features all over the internet about him uh, at this point. And someone that, you know, I think a lot of people, even the most casual fans, have never heard of him at this point. Um, so I think the the non-Victor scenario, you know, that that is definitely um, the most intriguing is, is probably one that would land Orlando Brandon Miller. Um, I think that that is definitely, um, you know, someone who would fit the archetype of what you're looking for here, uh, especially considering that he's also somebody who, um, you know, is a tall ball handler too, and that gives that Swiss, you know, Swiss Army knife-like uh, option that you have now with Paolo and with Franz. So um, the idea that anybody can get the ball up off a rebound, take it down the court, 
shoot, you know, handle the ball and pick and roll um, makes for a really, really interesting uh, roster. And his defense is pretty good too. You know, like Franz, I think the fact that he's, you know, not getting killed on the defensive end on the floor, you know, is, is exciting. Um, I don't hate the idea of trying to get a veteran, um, but I don't know if there's a veteran that really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that comes to mind is to be like, oh, this is the guy that, that is going to be available that is going to really be the one piece Orlando's missing. There's, there's not one that really uh, comes to mind of like, oh, he kind of is a disgruntled guy who might want out. Uh, the one that kind of, you know, just popped into my head that I don't think really fits a ton uh, that I think, but that I think could potentially be available would maybe be Jimmy Butler. But I don't think that he has the, the shooting that you'd really want to see, um, you know, next to that uh, core that, that they're building in Orlando. Um but I do think that, you know, that could be somebody who might, you know, want out, you know, based on recent body language and things like that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a, a Mitchell type of summer, right? Or, or somebody like that potentially is going to be available. Um, I think that's interesting. You're right. There is kind of, a, I guess, overlapping skill sets, I think, with what we have in, in a guy like Jimmy. And, and who knows? Like, things change so quickly um, in this league that I, I think that's going to be an option. I think I think there's an argument against bringing in two more young players, but you know, it, it, there's many arguments for it. And bottom line is, our young guys are becoming veterans, like as as we as we speak. You yeah. know, uh, getting a whole lot of very very practical and worthwhile experience, especially coming down the stretch here. Let me ask you something. This is just a quick aside about Wembenyama. I understand why he is a much better prospect than Chet Holmgren. But why does nobody talk about injury concerns like they did with Chet? Is it just because Chet was that much more? skinny and gawky looking like women yama at the very least a he's anybody seven four there's going to be a kind of heightened injury concerns and he's got a little bit of an injury background doesn't he yeah definitely i mean honestly and chet didn't really have much of an injury background right uh, obviously besides the fluky thing that we saw that unfortunately um you know did uh take him away from us this season um i i think that you're hearing it a little bit more privately uh, when it comes to Victor, you know, I think that when I talk to some uh, scouts or agents that, that I've been on the phone with, you know, they'll definitely bring up concerns about Victor's injury. It's, you know, just in terms of the fact that we've never really seen it happen before for someone that size. Um, the, the, the counter that I would say is from what I understand, from what I've read, um, the, the way that they're really just working on his body, uh, working on his stretches, working on his toes, working on his feet. Uh, the, the 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 way that science has advanced some and since the other guys we've seen of his size um, is notable. And so for me, when I look at someone like Victor, it's like, you know, the fact that they've really been taking care of his body and being mindful of this in a way that they hadn't been with previous superstars, it's like, well, there was never LeBron James before there was LeBron James, right? So even though we haven't seen it before um, in terms of a clean bill of health for someone that height, maybe he's the one that does change things because now we have, the science to know how to handle someone like this. Um, I think he's got, you know, more physique to him um, than Chet does. I think that he, uh, you know, I think that he definitely, um, you know, has been getting bigger over the last few years. uh, Whereas Chet kind of was about the same, you know, from what you saw from like sophomore year to where he's at now. If you look at pictures from Victor from a few years ago, he looked like a baby. And now he, you know, and I think he's still growing, still developing. Um, you know, it's, it, it, I think it's not necessarily going to be like a Giannis situation, um, where he got significantly bigger in the NBA, right. but he's 
definitely grown in the last couple of years and definitely put on size and definitely put on muscle. Um, and so I, I, I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily, um, going to be, um, a problem for him in the NBA, but I could see why, I could see why anybody would raise their eyebrows and, and, and be worried. Um, but I think the upside obviously is just too high. Like it's way, it's way higher than it was with Chet exactly. uh, to, to, to voice it. You know, I think you're just kind of sound like a hater. And it's, and it's so high that it, it, it just doesn't make a difference. Like, I mean, he's, um, you scoot Anderson is a fantastic scoot would probably be top pick in many years right like he is a very very good prospect and he's just in another level right now as opposed to women yama and then i want but i want to know because i'm hearing miller and the more every time you watch brandon miller you're just like okay this dude is he reminds me of paul george in year four of paul george's career like yeah like so is there a chance you think that he that he gets up to two I do think that there's a chance. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's been more buzz about it recently. All the off-court stuff aside, uh, I think that that is, is definitely obviously a huge part of the story and how he answers those interview questions during the pre-draft process is going to uh, be huge for him. But he's gotten a lot better as the yeah. season's gone on. He was not finishing well at the rim to, to start the season. There were really big concerns about that for me. Um, I had him at like eight or nine in one of my first mock drafts uh, because I just, you know, he was shooting like 50% at the rim uh, be- before January. And then since January, he's shooting like 70% at the rim. And so to me, anybody who can't finish at the rim, you know, it, it, it completely limits the scope of what you can do because right. it changes how guys are going to guard you. But if he can finish at the rim and he can finish from beyond the arc like that, then they don't really have an option. And I think that, you know, uh, some of the tracking data that's available uh, privately on, on Brandon Miller suggests that he shoots better against contested shots than anybody in college basketball. Like he's shooting like 45% even when they're closing out on him, even when there's a hand in his face. You know, the fact that he's going to draw that much attention then loosens the floor for everybody else. And he's a better defender um than than most of the prospects in this class do um you know i think that you know he's a, he's a pretty good perimeter defender and he can guard the screener in the pick and roll and he can guard the ball handler a little bit in the pick and roll and you know i think the idea is for me when i look at brandon versus scoot and i'm not going to necessarily have brandon at two above scoot uh honestly i don't think i'm really going to have a big board because i don't have to draft uh so it's not it's not worth being that wrong um but Wise. If you're looking for the, if you're looking, yeah, I used to do it, and I look back at what I used to put out, and I'm like, oh boy, I did it's not like want the dunk that. contest, I don't want my name dude. On it's like doing the dunk contest. It's just it's it's There's unnecessary no exposure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to you don't you don't want to see my thoughts. Um, <laughs> grant, granted, granted, like I've been really right on guys before, uh, but I but I I don't need a record of how wrong I was on some guys, um, yeah. both high and low. So. What I was going to say, though, is the case for why you'd want Miller versus Scoot is, is so simple to me. Um, the, a high efficiency guy at six foot nine who can guard uh, versus somebody who is, uh, you know, six foot two, who's going to require the ball on almost every possession because he is such a ball dominant player who's not as efficient um, is somebody that uh, is going to really be the, the catapult to your offense, you know, for Scoot. Uh, whereas Brandon can potentially be more of a floor spacer to begin. Um, it makes sense. I mean, I think that some of the conversation that people have been having recently about Scoot not being a great playmaker is a little absurd. I think yeah. Scoot is a really, really great passer. Uh, I think he's, you know, far and away the best point guard in this draft class. 
uh, by far. Um, but, but I think that, you know, the idea of Brandon, who is one of the most efficient players in all of college basketball and definitely one of the best shot makers and shot creators in college basketball, um, makes sense. I, I, I get why you'd want to include someone like Brandon, um, especially if you already have a, a crowded that court. Um, you know, if you're, if you're Detroit, for example, you've, and you've drafted, you know, guard after guard over the last two years, um, you know, it's a, it's a wings league. And if you already have guys who you want, you know, as your ball handlers with Kate, with Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivy, you know, I could see why you'd rather have a 40% shooter um, sure. you know, next to him. And Scoot, and Scoot is, you know, for everything Scoot is, he is not currently a 40% shooter from beyond the arc. So um, now could he get there one day? Absolutely. Uh, but he isn't right now. And, and so I think that Scoot is going to be great for a team that wants to lose again next year. Um but I think that uh, that is nece- not necessarily what every team wants. I mean, some teams don't mind the lottery cycle, um, but I, I don't necessarily see Scoot coming in and, um, you know, just immediately translating to winning. we got to get him to Houston. I mean, I, I think that's just going <laughs> to It just sounds like a beautiful nightmare, you know? <laughs> well, well, especially with James, especially with James Harden likely going there too, right? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. That'll be. Oh, what a treat that'll be. Oh, that is. Uh, hmm, I'm enjoying myself here in Central Florida. Let me ask you about the Arkansas Razorbacks. My talk, speaking of a beautiful nightmare, like that is a very talented team with two probably top 10 picks. I'm I am a sucker for a player like Anthony Black. Like every time I watch yeah. him, I'm like, you know, it just you just see the IQ just pop off the screen with that guy. But Moss has not been able to figure out any sort of pecking order with that group. They've got some upperclassmen who kind of hijack possessions. Um, and then I, I I don't really know a ton about Nick Smith because I've only seen him a handful of times. He looks really good, um, but I'm kind of going off guys like you when, when I when I try to profile him. Tell me about Arkansas in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote an article today that was basically um, what the best bracket would be for NBA draft scouting purposes, mm. like what what I'd like to see, just so I can get the most cracks of the apple here, most bites of the apple here of watching these guys play as many times as possible. And for me, that would be Arkansas going all the way. I need to see as many Dick Smith games as possible. I want to see Anthony Black under pressure. Um, you know, I think this was included in my mock draft, but um, Black is one of just four high major freshmen, six foot seven or taller, to record an assist percentage above twenty percent and a steal percentage of both 3%. Mm. And the other three are Scotty Barnes, Ben Simmons, and Kyle Anderson. I so, love it you when know. you hit me with those. Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite. You give me those nuggets, and I love them. Yeah. And granted, granted, you know, Ben Simmons is who he is now, and I understand that. But, you know, Ben Simmons was also a number one pick, and Scotty Barnes was, you know, uh, the rookie of the year. And Kyle Anderson has had a fantastic career, yeah. um, you know, as a, as, as a player who's contributed to winning basketball, you know, on, on, on many teams now. Um, so, you know, black being a six foot seven guy who can, who can have a high assist percentage and a high steal percentage, just that playmaking and that defensive playmaking. Uh, and that's it. You know, there's no other complications there. Just the young guys who know how to do that. And he fits in that really well. So I want to see as many games from Arkansas as possible. I want to see them go uh, really far because I want, I want to see, you know, a healthy Nick Smith and I want to see what he can contribute. Um, you know, and I want to see, um, you know, I want to see Ricky Council as well because he's another guy who's 
a fringe first round guy. You in know, second in round, 20 to 40 range. Yeah, I think 20 to 40 range. I mean, I think I could see a team at the back half of the first round, maybe saying like, sure, why not? If he if he really has a great march. Um, but if he if he you know if Arkansas loses to Illinois in game one, then maybe not. Right? Like it's 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 tough to to call him like anything other than uh, you know at, at that point it's like he's it's, he hasn't really separated himself. But I could see a scenario where sure if they're playing deep into March um, and you know maybe make the Final Four and Council's been a big part of that, then then I could see him at the back half of the first. So um, I, I think that. Uh, you know, Nick Smith is somebody who, you know, was considered the best prospect in college basketball before the season started, you know, more so than Brandon Miller. Um, now, you know, he's probably in that top three range, top three or four range in terms of college basketball prospects. Um, and I think some people have him as high as two, two on a big board, but two in terms of the college guys. So getting rid right. of overtime, getting rid of G League, getting rid of international. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are people that have him as high as two. Uh, in terms of guys who are playing college basketball, and and I, and I get it, um, and so I think that he's definitely, uh, you know, a guy with great feel, great touch. Um, you know, I think that the defense has looked pretty good, um, and you know, I think he, uh, he he's an exciting player, but for for him, it's a lot about potential, um, and so you know, I think it's a, it's a little bit more, um, you know, theoretical in some ways, but then again, one of the guys like that in the draft a few years ago was Darius Garland. And yeah. he's, you know, been phenomenal in the, in the NBA. So I tend to be, and you, you know this about me because I'm going to pull these nuggets out, a very data-driven um, draft person. I I tend to look at what the numbers say a lot and, and think like, okay, who are the other guys who have accomplished this? You know, how is that scalable to the NBA? It's harder to do that with a guy like Nick Smith just because there's less data available. Um, you know, there's there's some high school stuff, some AAU stuff, some international stuff. Uh, from you know FIBA, but um, you know I think that for me it's a little harder to speak to Nick Smith's game uh, just without the, the large sample size. So I, I hope I hope to see as many games as possible for Arkansas during the tournament. And to be clear, the um, the steal rate that was Kyle Anderson, Scotty Barnes, Ben Simmons, and it was Anthony Black was the it was Black not Smith, right? Yeah, yeah, Black at, at six foot seven or taller. Yeah. Six for seven um, because because it's about it's about those tall playmakers who can play defense. Those yeah. are the guys right there. I know, and those are the guys, and and always questionable jumper. And those are the guys that I'm always a sucker for. I'm like, I'll, I'll teach them how to shoot, and they, they it's never very easy to teach guys how to shoot. Um, but that's uh, that's that's my cross to bear, I suppose. What does it tell you? It's kind of weird. Like, I think probably it's easy to look at the fact that chances are four out of the top five picks are going to be non college players. Um, if the Thompson twins go four and five, it'll, you know, we'll, we'll see, um, could be four out of the top six, whatever those guys are going probably top seven, top eight, no matter what. And then it feels like the next 25 guys will probably be college players. Um, so I didn't, so, you know, I, I hesitate to draw any big proclamations about where we are with the international game. Um, and even where we are with college, I, I feel like college is trending in the right direction. I think the transfer portal is a little screwy, but I think it's trending in the right direction in that we're we're kind of getting away from one and dones. Um, I think that rule will will be gone soon sooner than later. And I just like the idea of uh, of, of players who play a few years of college basketball and teams who start to develop personalities. I think it's a better way for us to engage with that sport. And I don't think we've really engaged much with it b- beside what you and I are doing right now, watching Kentucky because we want to see who's going to be the top pick in the draft. Um, 
the only thing that I really think is different about this year's draft is is overtime elite and and, and they're coming, man. I mean, I Dominic Barlow played last night in the game. I was doing play by play on uh, for the Spurs, and I mean, like it seems kind of strange to me that without seeing these guys play against the level of competition that we're used to, either internationally or even G League or um, in college that they're going to be drafted that high, but it, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like are, are there detractors that you're hearing from scouts that are saying, I wouldn't waste the fourth pick on Amen or Asar because, because they didn't play against ACC competition. No, I mean, the scouts that I've spoken to have said, you know, I'm, they've, they've got, you know, at least Amen in the top five. Um, and I think he said that, um, you know, the one that I spoke to yesterday said like, you know, his brother shouldn't go more than two picks after him, you know, like there, like he's right, he's right there. Um, you know, Sar is probably one of the best prospects in this class, bar none, um, mm. especially on the perimeter. And I think that, you know, perimeter defense is as important as ever, um, you know, and both of them are insanely good athletes and, um, you know, got great NBA size. The, the knock on them is not that they play at overtime. The knock on them is that they they're actually going to be like, no, I was going to say, except they're 20. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, I think that on draft night, uh, both of them, considering they're the exact same age, uh, will be about, yeah, they'll be like 20 and a half. Like, Mm. but by the time the season starts, we'll be almost 21. Oh, I can't Um, do anything with that. I mean, those are, that's, that's a finished product. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) obviously, you know, you, you look at someone like Franz Wagner and you see that that's not the case. Franz played two years in college basketball and has taken such a, such a leap forward, but when you also look at the fact that, you know, they are, you know, over a full year, almost a year and a half older than like Jairus Walker um, or, or sorry, sorry, rather uh, Nick Smith or um, Scoot or some of the other guys. I mean, uh, Gigi Jackson is 18 and a half and mm. uh, Derek Whitehead's not even going to be 19 before the draft. And, um, you know, there, there's, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a few guys in this class who, who are pretty young. And so um, just the, the, uh, the idea of, of where they're at kind of, uh, in, in their age curve uh, is something that I've heard more of a concern at than, their, uh, than their competition level. Um, you know, I think for me, you know, the, the playmaking is pretty obvious with, with Amen. And, um, you know, I think that the defense obvious with both of them and the productivity was there. Uh, there were some concerns about their efficiency at the rim uh, that I've seen. But, you know, I think you watch their highlights and you see that those guys are uh, do not lack athleticism by any stretch. So even if the efficiency is not there, it's not because, you know, they're not athletic enough. They, they might just be taking really high degree difficulty shots. Um, and so, you know, I think that, um, you know, they're, they're both, they're, they're both really draftable guys for me. Um, they're both guys that I would look at, um, you know, uh, Asar's shooting has gotten, gotten quite a bit better as the season went on. He was a pretty high level, um, a shooter during the playoffs for for overtime um so i think that you know if you want a shooter he's probably the more appealing one uh even though uh amen's probably gonna go a little earlier in the draft i just want shooters i want shooters no matter what i don't care how we get them i want shooters i feel like the sun white said um who so back end of let's say top 10 8 to 10 8 to 12 back end of the lottery grady dick keontae george who are who are we looking for as far as shooters there yeah, and what do you think about I Hendricks, mean, uh, our boy, uh, our boy Hendricks? I, I was just going to say, I think, I think Hendricks is in that range. Um, you know, even though he wasn't that, you know, high school rank, uh, his college productivity was right there with anybody. 
Um, and he was a, you know, 40 plus shooter from, from beyond the arc. So I think totally a very reasonable pick at the end of the, you know, second half of the lottery. Um, you know, I think as early as seven, um, you know, I think that's fine. Um, if you, if he does well, I, I, I don't know much about him as a guy, but if he does well in the interview process and, um, you know, does well in the combine for whatever stuff he does participate in, even if that's just interviews, um, you know, maybe he does decide to, you know, do measurements or athletic testing or whatever it is. I mean, he, he certainly was one of the most prolific, uh, dunkers in college basketball. Um, you know, he had over 30 dunks this year. Um, and, and, you know, he, he, he also, uh, you know, took a lot of threes. So he finished well at the rim while also shooting above 40% from three. Um, and was a really good defensive playmaker. So, uh, I think there's certainly a case for, for Hendricks. Um, I think, you know, if you want just pure shooting, uh, Grady Dick is definitely right there. Um, you know, one of the b- b- best transition shooters in the country, uh, for transition three pointers. Um, one of the best catch and shoot guys, and he can shoot off the dribble too. Um, at shooting off the dribble at, uh, 18, you know, years old, like him, uh, for a, for a program that's, you know, hoping to win a national championship. Um, I'm sorry, 19 years old for him, but a program that's hoping to win a national championship at Kansas. You know, the defending champions, and he's already contributing at a high level, shooting, you know, basically almost 40% from three. I, I think that's great. Um, you know, I think that he's definitely somebody I'd take a serious look at. Um, you know, Whitehead's another guy who's going to be in that range potentially, depending on his tournament. Um, you know, his, his shooting touches looked okay. Um, and his, his, his uh, free throw percentages look, uh, you know, I think in the 90s. So, um, you know, anybody who can shoot that well from free throws usually has a pretty good uh, shooting touch. And, um, you know, there are some times where he's been a little absent. Um, his finishing at the rim has been really tough. He's only has got two dunks in a season and, um, you know, shooting uh, less than 50% of the rim. But if he's just, if you're looking just for floor spacing, you know, Whitehead's somebody to keep an eye on. I think, uh, you know, he went to high school in the area, um, you know, for you guys over in uh, Florida. So, um, you know, I think there's, uh, there's a few guys from IMG Academy, honestly, who can uh, potentially make a dent uh, at the NBA level who could be a good fit. Uh, you know, for, for the magic. I mean, we could we could literally just take IMG and Montverde kids and we would dominate the world. That sounds that sounds awesome. Before we go, I want um thumbnails on uh they're kind of like hot take guys now because everybody's like, oh, Zach Eady's gonna be terrible. And now everybody's sort of swinging back, like, oh, Zach Eady, I'm I'm kind of um forward thinking. I think Zach Eady's actually a very nice prospect. It's the truth somewhere in the middle, as it always is. Um, it's, you can't teach seven four, man. Like somebody's going to take a chance on that guy, that's for sure. And he's not—he's not quite as plotting, I don't think, as people as people accuse him of being. Yeah, I think that he's somebody who I could honestly just see, like what Drew Timmy did last year, is going back, going back to school and being the best. Uh, even if he wins Player of the Year, um, you know, he came to the game late. Um, so Zach Eady is somebody who. Uh, it's going to come down to how well he does in the tournament, obviously. But, you know, he, he's somebody who, uh, you know, if he wins a tournament, no reason to go back to school. But if he wants to if he wants to try to really make a name for himself and, um, you know, be like a, a household name in college basketball, uh, that is probably a better life in some ways yeah. uh, than being than being, you know, a second round pick fighting in the G League for two way and um, calling up and calling down. And, and it depends on his goals. Right. Uh, but but he's got more eligibility, so um, I I wouldn't be shocked if he went back to school. I don't think that's a crazy take. Um, but if he is, yeah, I mean he will probably get drafted. I mean, yeah, he's seven foot four. Um, you know, he, he's you know he's efficient at the rim and he he puts up points, he puts up rebounds, and 
Um, obviously, you wish there was a little bit more of his game than those what like shooting or um, playmaking or, or something. But um, you know, it, it kind of comes down to the fact that uh, when you're that big, you're gonna draw eyes. Like you're gonna get attention. I mean, um, you know, he's not Taco Fall. Um, right. You know, I think he's 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 definitely got um, you know better better trajectory, presumably uh, in the NBA than that. Uh, was certainly more productive in college than Taco ever was. Um, so, I mean, I, he's he's thick. He's thick. He's built. Right. Um, so I, don't know. Good hands. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think Purdue's gonna have a good tournament. They're they're one of the teams that I think could win it. Um, you know, I, I wrote about this yesterday as well. But basically, you know, pretty much you need to have a top twenty-five uh, offense and a top fifty defense to win a tournament. Like that's basically been. Since, you know, 2002, like every single tournament winner has basically had both of those things. Top 50 defense and the top 25 offense. And there's only teams that are currently fitting that. Uh, and and Purdue is one of those eight teams. But, you know, top 25 on offense and top 50 on defense. So, um, you know, I think that it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they can do at the next level. Um, but they, they're definitely a team to watch. Uh, would love to see them make a run. Last thing, you just mentioned him. Is somebody going to give Drew Timmy a shot? Yeah, Drew Timmy will play in the NBA. Um, I don't think he's a first round pick. I don't. I mean, I could even, I could potentially even see him going undrafted. Um, his defense is his, his defensive numbers are really poor. You know, you yeah. can drive right past them. He's, uh, you could drive right past them. And he's not a great perimeter defender. Um, doesn't really defend well against the pick and roll. There, there are holes in his game. Um, but the offense is great and his footwork's great. And you know, I I love Drew Timmy. Like, uh, he's he's a great guy to. Um, to I imagine having your locker, and I think that he's somebody who will will play NBA minutes. I mean, to me, it'll probably be kind of like Luca Garza, well, with where Luca Garza is at right now. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, Luca Garza gets on the court. It's, it's a lot of the same issues Luca Garza had a couple of years ago, but Luca Garza plays. He's not getting a ton of minutes, but um, you know, he'll, he'll get a shot. He'll get a shot for himself. I mean, he might hear his name called on draft night. Probably going to get a two way. You know, be on summer league roster. Hopefully, play well in summer league. You know. Try to get that two-way converted to the guaranteed roster spot. I mean, it's a path that a lot of guys are going to be on. You know, if you're pretty much if you're not a top 35 guy, um, that's basically the path. And so that it's kind of simple. You know, like I think a lot, like well, a lot of these guys who were in the weeds on, it's like, oh, what's this? What's this? What do I make of this? It's like, well, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, it's the same path for a lot of these guys. You know, you're going to get presumably either two-way or undrafted, two uh, second-round pick or undrafted. Either way, you're probably going to get a two-way. Summer league, try to get it converted, you know, during the season or before the season, or try to get a guaranteed contract, and that's yeah. kind of the same path for everybody. So, um, I don't think we have to overthink it with Drew Timmy. Like he's a great offensive player and a really poor defensive player, and you know he'll get he'll get a shot to prove himself. Um, he puts in the work and you know gets a lot better at defense. He'll uh he'll probably be in rotation. If not, he, he will never be in rotation, but he'll he'll get a chance on the NBA court. Needs to range himself out a little bit more. Make sure you're knocking down those yeah. uh, those spot ups from from 25 instead of 20. Um, all right, this is great as always. Uh, I'm sure we'll do it again if I can track it down in the next couple months. And fun time of year. Uh, best of luck next couple weeks. Keep pumping out the good stuff. We'll keep reading it. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Brian Kalbrowski, make sure you read all of his stuff. USA Today, National NBA staff writer at For the Win, and on Twitter, it's at Brian Kalbrowski. 
B-R-Y-A-N-K-A-L-B-R-O-S-K-Y. This has been the Mostly Magic Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. Back next week with another edition. Have a great week, everybody.